I'm David Mason, the Director of Public Health for the Town of Sandwich, and usually you see me with Chief Burke doing uh, our PSAs on Wednesday. Uh, as cases increase in the Town of Sandwich, I felt the need to uh, have the community or connect the community more with what's occurring, and I have had approached uh, two individuals uh, that had been uh, positive and have had an experience that uh, has uh, brought them through some serious, serious medical issues and that they're still uh, carrying some of those issues. And the, and the first individual that I'll have is a young lady who's 25, uh, and she will remain anonymous because of the type of work that she does, uh, but she was more than willing to uh, uh, sit with me to talk about what occurred, how she contracted it, uh, her feelings through the whole thing, and what she is experiencing now. And we'll have a, a uh, gentleman uh, in his late 50s, early 60s, to uh, speak to his uh, experience. And I, I just think there's a need because these two individuals are in our town and they're willing to uh, sit with us and share their experience so that we can make it real. And I want you to understand uh, what's occurring in town, what pub the public health nurse Joanne Gake and I see when we talk to these people uh, and we have to knock on their door with these cases. And we're putting a face on what's going on right now. And I hope you can appreciate uh, you know, the presentation of this. I'm David, I'm David Mason, the Director of Public Health for the Town of Sandwich. And today we're doing a second interview with a resident of our community that had been positive with uh, COVID and had experienced it early on. But again, uh, what I wanted to do in the intentions is uh, we brought someone uh, to you who was in the age group of uh, 20 to 29. And now we have someone with us in the age group 50 plus. You know, is so in the beginning, it was the 50 plus uh, age group that was having a challenge and coming up positive. Uh, but, and now we're seeing the younger age group occurring. So to keep that in mind, uh, but we have Mr. Kevin Lassett with us today. And uh, Kevin is the director of theatrics at the high school. Is that yes, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's, let's start from the beginning. So let's walk us back. It was back in... Uh, you were early enough that we're aware we were talking about that you um, it occurred right around the shutdown March 13th correct it was a Friday uh, the governor shut everything down uh, so so take it from there tell us tell sure us what occurred. I, I was uh, only two weeks away to opening our spring musical uh, a chorus line and um, yeah it, it still is it saddens my heart today we had to close that production the kids were just phenomenal yep um, but yes uh, it, we we shut down on the 13th we stayed and did our rehearsals because my wife and I felt it was our duty to give hope for the kids and a distraction so we stayed till about five or six that night and wrapped up and that was it and then um, went about our business and you can imagine you know the fall that week Prior to that Friday, I was out shopping for supplies and whatnot, and so I was exhausted by the time the weekend came. And then Monday came along, the 16th, and I woke up. I was fine and um, went for a walk uh, in the afternoon, uh, early afternoon with my wife and my dog, and I, I 
turned to Melinda and I said, honey, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling so well. I feel really tired. And she said, well, you know, you're probably just exhausted from all the activity and the state of the world. And the emotions and, and of it. Exactly. So yep. just don't worry about it. Take a nap when you get home, <clears throat> which I did. I woke up at 4.30. I had a fever of 101.3, and it just went downhill from there. Okay. So is, is, as that progressed, um, what, what, what direction did it go? I mean, as far as, you know, we talk with people all the time, Joanne Gake and I and the public health nurse, about certain days, days five, six, and seven mm -hmm. being, you know, there's usually some change, and it can get serious. What, mm -hmm. what did you experience? Yeah, it started off like a typical flu, you know, the body aches, uh, high fever, and it, it seemed to spike, and then uh, it was a little lower at times, but it never went away. Uh, but by the third day, I was quite lethargic, and whenever I tried to get up and walk to the restroom or take a shower or just get mobile, um, I felt as if I had walked um, 20 miles wow. and uphill or climbed a mountain. Yep. And it, it was just a relentless uh, weight on my chest, and it, it, it took every ounce of my being to take a step to that shower. And, uh, and then I would just lean against the wall and just let the hot water just kind of soothe me for a little bit. And it's amazing I didn't pass out yes. in there, which I understand some people have. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, then it just progressed. I, I, I wrote down some dates here. So I, then I got tested on March 21st. Where was that that you got tested at I that got time? I got tested at the, uh, by the uh, Cape Cod Community College. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so the drive-through drive that they had set up yes, in the beginning. Okay. exactly. And I drove myself um, down. And, and, you know, the, the, the thing about that is, and I'm sure doctors across the nation were instructed to say this, but I was on the phone with my doctor, and he, told, he advised me to stay home, uh, which I was. Because he said it sounds like I was doing everything right. And I said, well, you think I should get tested? He said, no. So, you know, I, that the fever hit on the 16th. Well, the 20th, I still had a fever consistently. And so I called the office again, but it was after hours. And I got to the service center. And then the doctor there advised that I go get tested. And so I made an appointment on that Saturday, which was the 21st, thankfully, because when I got my results five days later on the 26th, the nurse had said I was positive and have I isolated myself and am I using a different restroom? And I said, yes, I am. I, the moment I got the fever, I, I took it seriously. I took okay. this whole thing seriously. Yep. Uh, the number one reason is because my wife has horrible asthma. And so I was in this grip of fear that I had to protect my wife at all cost. And and then I bring it into the house. It was right. it was devastating. It was, ah, uh, oh, yeah, it was hard. So I mean, at that time too, I mean, it was very difficult to get tests. I mean, it was yes. a struggle with that we had in reaching out, and with you know the the testing community as far as making it available, uh, and it wasn't readily available at that time as it is more so now. So after you got tested. Um, what direction, you know, what direction did it go at that point? I mean, well, it, by yeah, by, how did how did it progress? By then, I was I wasn't talking very much at all, and 
I, I thought about it on the drive here for the interview. I, I should have brought my wife because <laughs> her perspective is quite different from I, mine. Yeah, I, but to, I to see me go through it and uh, to hear her tell the story of just witnessing me kind of shut down as the days went on mm -hmm. and collapse and just kind of not be myself. <clears throat> but uh, by then I was pretty, um, pretty miserable. I, I wasn't talking. Um, it took me forever just to walk anywhere. And uh, the cough by then was excruciating because even if I attempted to talk, I couldn't control um, the cough. And um, I was fighting for breath. And if I did talk, I had to talk very quietly to try to get some sentences out. So luckily, we have a lot of friends that are nurses, and one of them is Kim Peterson. And I call her my earth angel because um, she had been checking in with my wife oh, just good. about every day. And because uh, her daughter is part of our program, we're very good friends mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. So she was checking in on, my, on me on a, on a regular basis, along with some other nurse friends as well. But Kim was really just taking good care of us. And uh, on the 27th, she had uh, FaceTimed me, and she said, Kevin, you, you got to go in. Uh, you've been fighting the fever way too long. Uh, we'll let my, my staff know you're on your way, and please get in the car and go. Do you need an ambulance? Do you think? And so I said, no, my wife can take me. And we went, and I was admitted, on the, uh, admitted to Cape Cod Hospital on the 27th. At that time? So when, you, when your wife brought you in, was she permitted to go in at that time? No, she wasn't. Okay. Which was... Uh, a very uh, emotional step in the journey because I was just a wreck um, on so many levels. And um, just driving there, I had to have the window rolled down because I, right now I can wear a mask and I'm not sick, you know, and I can breathe okay. But when I was in the grip of that COVID-19 and I had the mask on, it, 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 I felt like someone was like suffocating, a, you. suffocating. So yeah. I had to roll down my window and just gasp for breath. And it was just, uh, I can't only imagine. I can't believe my wife got me to the hospital. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we get there and, um, you know, this is where it gets hard. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, yeah, it was hard because, uh, you know, I had to say goodbye to her and she couldn't come in. Mm-hmm. And I knew <clears throat> at that stage, I had two ways out of the hospital. Either I'm going to beat this or it's going to beat me. Right. And I had no idea what direction it was going to go. So I pull up. They see me. They come out with the wheelchair because I was very fragile and weak. And they put me in the chair, get me in, take me up to, the, to uh, be evaluated. And um, it was some out of the movies because they're putting up all this paperwork warning signs to the rest of the staff of how to enter and uh, the protocol to handle someone mm -hmm. with the, with the uh, COVID-19. And uh, blood w was withdrawn and I've never seen as many vials in my life and different shapes and sizes and some with liquid in it already and they would mix my blood with it and shake it and zip it up in a plastic bag and there was like 20 of them right? and they shipped it off to be evaluated. And uh, at one point, a doctor came in, female doctor, and I, I don't remember names, <clears throat> but uh, 
she put her hand on my shoulder and said, look, I want to ask you a very serious question. Are you okay with being intubated if, if we have to go that route? And I said, well, you have to do what you have to do. And she said, okay. I, wow. just, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, so that's a that's a tough question without any any support around you as far as family, your wife, or yeah, and to and to get that and have to make that decision then. Yeah, I was by myself, and she said, uh, "Well, I just want to let you know because if we go that route, you'll be out for about ten days, you'll be unconscious." And uh, I said, "Well, let's hope we don't go there, but you have my permission." <clears throat> then a couple hours later go by and another doctor comes in and says yeah it's definite your your blood works off uh we're going to admit you you're going to go to the second floor and by then what i with within a short amount of time after they brought me up to the COVID ward i was informed that i had double pneumonia my organs were shutting down my kidneys and liver were shot um, and i was dehydrated and they put me on oxygen, and um, it gave me some relief. But again, I, I, it was a struggle to talk because of the weight that was on my chest. From the double pneumonia also. Yes, so, yeah. exactly. Wow. So, that's, so that was the start of that journey. That, so. was, the, that was when it really got real, you know, because up until I got the test, I was in denial, thinking, oh, it's just a flu, it's just a flu. You know, and and I have many opinions about this because uh, I work with some people that still don't believe that you can get it at a at a school where I know I got it at the school mm -hmm. um, during chorus line. We had numerous kids that were ill. Um, some were out for two weeks. Some were at rehearsals coughing. Some had fevers. You know, and they were ill. Right. No one at the time got tested, of course. Right. But at that time, you know, uh, my, my work was at the high school. I often go to Boston for auditions for my acting career. But mm -hmm. during that time frame, I wasn't going to Boston during that month because right. it was slow for me. Right. Um, so my place of physical being was at the high school. And so I'm pretty sure that's where I contracted okay. it. Yeah, because there wasn't a lot of information then at that point to be mm -hmm. able to decipher. I mean, we were taking <coughs> actions, but there wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of clear information as far as, you know, protocols and, and you know, uh, quarantine and everything else at, prior to that shutdown. That's really when that all started kicking in at that point. Yes. So that's so you were like I said you were right up front and, yeah. you know as far as one of those individuals like I know I remember you know the case because we had oh. uh, you know when our the COVID team had uh, gotten together and and we have the superintendent there and as far as we, we were aware of the case and people were concerned also because I think you were one of the first ones to be hospitalized also right up front there was yeah. two, two two individuals yourself was one of them yeah I, I jokingly say I, I'm a high achiever for stupid things yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, let me ask you too Kevin do, do, you, do you have any underlying health conditions that you, you, anything that would exacerbate this can you share that or? of course I don't mind at all yeah. this is all about sharing the information you know what two years ago I had a stroke I had a left thalmatic hemorrhage and luckily I, I came out of that more or less unscathed um, I had a slight little control issue with a little bit of my lip but I was able to overcome that for the most part um, and at the time I was 
frightened because I thought, oh my God, you know, is this gonna make it worse, you know? And then as time goes on, and by the time I was released, I came, I read an article and um, turns out that uh, they were discovering it was a blood disease. And uh, the blood thinners that I was on was actually kind of gave me an advantage because my blood, they were giving me blood thinners as soon as I arrived, mm-hmm. but I was already on the blood thinners for other ailments. And so that really, I think, helped save my life. Yes. Yeah. Because my blood wasn't um, coagulating. Yep. You know, yep. so it's, I was. And in, that's one of the biggest issues with it relative to, you know, how it reacts and coagulates the blood, creating the problems with stoke, stroke and cardiac issues. So mm-hmm. that was probably great that you were on that, as yeah. you said, and, and that they, uh, continued that at that time yeah so so what a blessing you know uh, i came out of my stroke unscathed and that was pretty scary in itself but i never thought it would have saved helped save me right you know um until you look at look backwards and see how it all unfolds yep so how many days were you in the hospital i was in there for seven days seven days so on oxygen the entire time exactly yes and as far as you were in a covid ward you know what did you observe while you were there i mean there were were a number of cases going in there yeah the nurses were incredible and so were, were the doctors they took such excellent care of me and they were taking care of themselves too. And they would always inform me, look, we're not trying to ignore you, but we can't, we have to limit our time in here. But if you need something, press this button and we'll come right in and we're monitoring you as well. So I knew I was in good hands, but it was isolating um, and terrifying. Um, When I was uh, brought into my room, the nurse said, you know, don't watch the news. And I said, you know, exactly, we're living it. Right. You know, and so she knew the severity of everything. And um, so it was just a matter of trying to beat the fever. And it's hard to explain, but I didn't know if I was awake or dreaming and what was real or not. And... um, because I had that fever for about 15 days, right. even at the hospital. And thank God that Kim Peterson you know, strongly advised that we go in because if I was at home during that weekend, I don't know what would have happened because that Saturday night, the 28th, that was the worst of it. My fever had spiked again. Then the evening nurse came in and said, look, we, okay, we got to go the old-fashioned way because we can't use Tylenol anymore or the liquid Tylenol because mm-hmm. your liver numbers are way too high. So we're going to go the old-fashioned way. We're going to put you on ice. And so she brought in like 15 packs of ice. Wow. Behind my neck, on my forehead, left and right ear, under each arm, on my stomach, and my groin, and my thighs, and my back. I mean, just, I was covered in ice packs the entire night. And you know, all you could do is just lie there lie and just there. pray yeah. that I got to make a turning point here for the better. Right. You know, and it puts things in perspective really quick. And, um, you know, which brings up a lot of other issues, but I'll, I won't go there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get there 
with some other questions. No, under, understood. So as far as then you, you make your way out uh, of the hospital, as far as, you know, what, what resulted in the release? I mean, you saw a yeah. decline in the temperature, a loss of the temperature? Or? Yes. Uh, the, my fever went, it went, it lowered. It never really went away, but it lowered to 99 to 100.1, 100.2. But it wasn't 103 point anything, you know, it was just really, it was lower. And then my oxygen levels, it was important for the doctors to get a grip on my, my breathing. And so <clears throat> I think the, the, the sixth day they were teetering with releasing me, but my oxygen levels would be okay when I was sitting. But the moment I stood, it was that fighting effect of just, you know, fighting for breath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> it's crazy because I want to get home. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got to I gotta control my breathing here. You know, I got to get home with the wife and the kids and just be at home again. And, and then, of course, my body is showing otherwise. And so they said it can't hurt to stay another night, and I had no problem with that. Um, and so I stayed another day. And... Um, Late in the afternoon, uh, they came in, checked my vitals again, and they said it was good enough for me to be released, but I am still in recovery, and don't you dare do anything silly. True, yeah. You know. So so take us then from the from that release and the recovery through. So we're talking April then? April, I was released April 2nd. April 2nd. So the, uh, so how, how, you know, take us through just, you know, progressing through April to this time frame, you know, okay. as far as what, what you experienced, you know, you were able to get back on your feet again at some point and, you know, but what, what, what are you experiencing? Okay, when I got home, again, the realities of what I was dealing with hit again you know, because uh, the fever came back. And, um, but we were instructed what to do, you know, and so we followed the directions and I had medications with me and uh, we stuck to it. And it took me about three days to get upstairs because uh, I wanted to do some, some work. <clears throat> and so, but it, excuse me, it only took me, it took me three days to feel strong enough to navigate to walk up the stairs to wow. my office. And um, so I was still dealing with uh, the fight for my, my breath, my oxygen, and um, palpitations. My, um, my blood pressure would just rise. My beats per minute were very high and erratic. Um, and um, the fatigue was relentless. And I basically just was a loaf and just was on the sofa because um, I couldn't do anything else. Right. Well, the level of stress your body went through yes. in attempting to fight this, yeah. you know, it, 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 it had its outfall and it, as it continues. But so at, at what point, where were you at when you, how far out were you when you were able to feel like you had some level of strength that you yeah. could have some form of a functional day? I wrote down here April 26 is when I really start to feel much better. And I remember going for a walk uh, with the family and the dog to the beach and no one was out. It was just us. And so we were able to take our time and not worry about being around other people. And, um, but my kids were pretty stunned because, you know, they're young and so, boom, they're, 
they're just walking normal. Mm-hmm. But then I remember, I'll never forget them looking back like, where's dad? Yeah, <laughs> you know? what, they're, what then, they're used to. Yeah, and then my wife is by me, and I, I'm winded. And we haven't even got to the beach yet because there was a sand, a sand dune I had to climb. Yeah. And I had to catch my breath before I can continue for at least five minutes just to kind of walk down and continue the walk. Um, but it was so great the, to be so in the fresh about, air. That was about six weeks out, five weeks out then? Yeah. At that point you were still, yeah. Yeah, because I was released on the 2nd, and that was the 26th. Um, yeah, and then it was uh, about, f- and then the fever would come and go throughout, uh, not consistently, but it, uh, all of a sudden would come back, like remind me, hey, buddy, I'm still here, you know, and uh, I broke 41 days after release. That still kind of happened for me. Wow. Um, and do um, you want to talk about side effects? Well, as far as, yeah, let's talk about that. Are you familiar with the term long haulers? I am. Okay. And, uh, and that's the purpose of this also, as far as having this conversation so that people understand that there's not, you know, there's, there may be the, the immediate impact or some people may not experience it and as far as right up front when they contract the virus. But as far as what is going on with this virus down the road, I mean, we're a number of months out with you. Yeah. So where, where are you at now, Kevin? I'm dealing with three issues. Um, fogginess, uh, memory loss, <clears throat> and um, what does that look like? So I'll give you a few examples. And it feels good to talk about this because I haven't really shared this with anyone. Um, and I'm in the, in the process of finding a new, a new doctor as well because no one has answers. You know, I mean, vaccines have been just released just a few days ago, right? right. So no one's really do- has dove into the repercussions of this and the long-term effects but and how to treat them. But uh, what does memory loss, fogginess look for me? Um, emails, uh, for example, I'm reading an email, and I'm an actor, and... I go out on auditions. So the casting director sends very specific information about what to do for these filmed auditions. And I know I'm not really sharp as I used to be with my mind. So I read the email 10, 20 times <laughs> because it's, it's my livelihood. Well, there's one audition for a Braun commercial for a thermometer device for Braun. And I had missed that I would be portraying a doctor. And so I did the audition like a father taking the temperature of a child. So the atmosphere of a doctor versus a child are completely different. So I was all, point. oh, poor baby, you know, <laughs> yeah. my, my kid, you know, I'm just all sappy, right? Yeah. Luckily, I got the gig. But it's things like that where it surprises me that how can I miss that? Right. And I submitted it, and I go, I better double check that. And I, then I see doctor, you're playing a doctor, and it's right there in bold. Right. And that was not me prior to COVID-19. This is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And it's very important that I get all the things right for these auditions. Um, the scariest thing is um, <clears throat> there have been two cases where I'm driving 
and I forget where I'm going. So I, uh, <clears throat> I've had to pull over to the side of the road or a gas station. So wait a few minutes and just relax and breathe until I remember, okay, there it is. I, I gotta do this. Now, was I doing that prior to COVID? No, it, it scares the so heck you, out. You see the difference. I mean, because some people yeah. could say watching this, oh, well, you know, you're of an age and you're gonna stop again. I mean, you're 53, and it's, yeah. you know, but you're not at a point where you're going to be driving along and just forget where you're going yeah. and have that occur on a couple of, and number of occasions. Yeah. Because, you know, so you're, you're familiar with who you were. So it's just- I never did that before. Yeah. And it's, I don't know what it is, but it's not Kevin before March 13th. I never had an issue where I had to pull over kind of in a panic attack and, mm -hmm. and ask myself, where the hell am I going? Right. You know, um, that's not how I operate, but it is now. And so I'm taking measures to have my wife <clears throat> read emails with me that are important so I'm not missing information. My to-do list have grown because sometimes I forget I've even written in a to-do list. Uh, but that's what fogginess looks like. So when you hear the term for long haulers, fogginess, memory loss, that's what it is for me. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing I'm dealing with is the fatigue. It's this relentless, inconsistent. There are some days where I'm fine and I can move, get up at my regular time and go about my daily business and get things done and feel productive and accomplished. And, and then there are days where I just, I, I hit a wall. The, the uh, young lady we had also, she was 25, was experiencing that also as far as just an inconsistency. Can't, can't really plan for a day because you're not sure what You just what don't to, know. You yeah. just don't know. I always pray that I've, if I have a meeting or a phone call or whatever that I'm sharp and, and I'm okay to do it. Uh, luckily so far things have worked out um, with the physical stuff. Um, but yeah, it's more than just I need a Starbucks at three to pick me up. This is something that you have no choice but to lie down and take a nap and just rest. And then sometimes you wake up and you feel a little better. And sometimes you wake up and you're still kind of just drained yep. and exhausted. And then when it comes time to go to bed, you have no problem just hitting the sack and going to sleep again. Right. Um, and then um, the, 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 other, the last thing that I'm dealing with is I call them phantom fevers where I have body aches, like I'm coming down with a fever, but there's no fever and, but you're tender, your muscles are sore or achy from head to toe and it's hard to get comfortable. And I'm dealing with this at least three to four times a week. It's inconsistent of when it's going to happen. Today, I'm okay. Yesterday, it was kind of um, challenging almost the entire day for me with these phantom fevers. So those are the three things that I'm dealing with. The Because uh, I know when you know, we were arranging to do this, too, because I had mentioned th through the contact that you know, you know, whatever works for him, because I know even the young lady we had, you know, was, was looking for some time and couldn't do it on a day and, you know, just wasn't 
didn't have the physical ability to do it. So it's, I'm glad it worked out to get you, to get you here today. The, uh, I think a lot of the, the, the symptoms you're speaking to are found in all long haulers, or a lot of them are. So it's, a, it's the common theme of what's occurring with this virus afterwards. And as far as you know, going forward in terms of you know, what, what would you share with people? As far as you've shared what's occurring with you, what would you like to say to them as far as what you've experienced? for them to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to say, and I'll look at the camera and talk to the people, uh, it's real. And I, I am so sorry that it has become so political because we're in this together. We're a human species that has to take this seriously and it's impacting us all, if you haven't noticed. Uh, wearing a mask hurts no one, but it can certainly help. It doesn't hurt to help others or help yourself because you don't even know if you have it. It attacks people in different ways. So if you were to get it, I pray and hope you get mild symptoms to asymptomatic, and I pray you don't get hospitalized. Um, I pray if you do get hospitalized, you come out okay and you don't get bad side effects. Um, it's real. It's out there. And it's not just to scare people. It's just what's happening right now. And I think everyone has to do their due diligence to protect themselves and the people they care about and the communities they live in. And um, that's the only way I think we can eradicate this virus and get it to a place where we can get back to, to a new normal. Um, and my stance on it isn't to impose anyone's personal beliefs or rights. It's just about what's, what's the best thing to do for humanity. All right. Well, I thank you, Kevin, because I, you know, I appreciate you coming here and sharing your experience and, of course. and, give, and, and making people aware. It, lean, it means more, and I've said this before, there's a lot of people who you know, still say, I don't know anyone that has it or it's, it's not real. And, you know, it's, that's why I wanted to bring people forward in the community to share what their experience was it, and has been to date. Um, you know, the effects of this affect 30% of the people. You know, in terms of those, you know, based uh, on the, on the uh, in terms of the long hauler, that 30% of those who contracted have those, have those, that experience or that experience is continuing. And that's, you know, that it, it may seem like a low number, but it becomes you don't know what to expect. And, I, and I've used the analogy that if you were to take a bag of M&Ms, right, poison on four of them, mm -hmm. put them in a bowl and ask someone to take, will you take a handful and eat them? It, because you don't know whether you're going to get that poison one or not, because yeah. you don't know what the reaction's going to be or how your body's going to handle it. And the only way to ensure that is just by your message as far as asking people to mask up. Yeah. Because it does not hurt. It so. doesn't hurt. It can only help. Do you have any closing words? Any other closing words? Dave, I just want to thank you. I want to thank Paula Johnson and the whole team here at Sandwich TV for bringing light to this. Uh, it's been very isolating, this thing. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And um, my life's different. It's, uh, it's been a little slower, you know. Um, not just because everything's shut down, but just because it's hard from day to day to get out. So I don't know I, if this is gonna last for the rest of my life or 
if it's temporary, but I, my life has been impacted. And so I just want to thank you all for uh, wanting to talk about this, to share it, because it well, helps. Well, thank you. And that's why we want to do it, because I know there's people that want a voice in it that have had that experience. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. So, you know, I want to thank everyone. Again, I've, I've heard some people say that, uh, you know, as far as bringing forward Kevin and the young lady that came forward, that am I trying to scare people? I'm not trying to scare people. I'm trying to bring information to people that this is real and that it's real people in our community so that you have the information when you're making the decision. And I'm asking you to mask up because we want to keep people healthy in this, in this community. And thank you very much, Kevin, for thank helping you, out. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you.